This morning in our Sunday school class, we pray for our nation. I hope that you're regularly praying for our, our, our nation. Well, part of the reason we pray for our nation is because when we look around, we say, wow, what is happening? And the world wants to give us an explanation of what's happening in our world. You know what, what they think it is? It's randomness. You know, things just happen. Things happen in a random kind of way. But that's totally opposite from what the scripture says. The scripture says that God is sovereign over our world. And things don't just happen in a random kind of way. <clears throat> but that's been applied to our church, that, that principle of randomness. So here, here's a question. Did you just show up here today? Was this part of God's plan for you to be here this morning? Now, that's a serious question because there are a lot of people who didn't come today because they didn't think it was part of God's plan for them to be here today. And so does their not coming supersede God's plan for their coming? If you make that decision about the body of Christ, the, the church, and you say, well, you know, I'm just a part of that, you know, it doesn't matter, then you're falling into the trap of Satan's random idea about our world. We do not live in a random world. We live in a world which God has a plan, and, and that plan includes the body of Christ, his church. And so um, when we think about the church, sometimes we, we get this idea that, that it, it really doesn't matter whether I come or not come. Or it, it, and, and a lot of people you know, have this attitude. It's a very common attitude. Back in those generations ago when I was on the church staff here, we had a rule. Uh, maybe you have heard this rule. 20% of the people do... 80% of the work, right? How's that? How does that build the body of Christ? If only 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work, how does that build the body of Christ? That demonstrates our attitude. It demonstrates the attitude that so many people who call themselves members of the Ashley River Baptist Church think that whether they come or not is a random kind of thing. But that's not God's plan. God's plan is a different plan. We're going to look at some linking together some things. We're going to the Lord's table today, but we're going to look at something before that that helps us to understand a passage that's a part of 1 Corinthians 11, and we'll read that verse in just a few minutes. So when we think about uh, uh, the Corinthian letter, this 1 Corinthian letter specifically, uh, Paul seems to be just dealing with a long list of issues for the church. We are, are back in the early 1500s, some scholarly people decided that we needed a better way of uh, reading the scriptures. So they started putting numbers. They put numbers before sentences and they put numbers before groups of sentences. We call them chapters and verses. And so sometimes those chapters and verses help us. And sometimes we look at those and we don't see the link between all of them. But let's try to link a few things together today. So we're going to look at um, uh, uh, beginning in chapter 12, 
And, and uh, Jeffrey helped us uh, move to that next link, which is chapter 13. But, but in chapter 12, we have these words. And, and um, uh, our, our, verse, our memory verse today uh, in, in chapter, John chapter 14 uh, tells us that, that what God was doing in Jesus Christ was was making a way for us to come into that relationship with him. And then when Jesus went back to heaven, uh, and we read that in Acts chapter 1 and a couple of other places, that, that, that the Holy Spirit came. And the Holy Spirit is given a lot of promise to uh, believers in Jesus Christ. And, and so... Um, Today we want to look at what what is some of those what are some of those promises, and so if we if you have your Bible if you'll turn to chapter twelve of First Corinthians, then um, we'll we'll begin looking at some of these uh, verses in this uh, in this chapter to help us kind of deal with this idea that what God is doing in our church, what God is doing in your life, what God is doing in our world is not something random. It's planned according to God's purposes. So in chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, we read these words. Now about spiritual gifts. Did that scare you? <clears throat> in, in, the, in the time that I've been uh, uh, in church ministry, uh, there's been a lot of stuff about spiritual gifts that has scared people away from thinking about spiritual gifts. Uh, Paul says, let me tell you some things that are important for you to know. And so we can't deal with everything about spiritual gifts today, but there's some basic principles that Paul lays out in this scripture, which we need to all understand. Pastor Randy, did you tell us that we need to understand our spiritual gifts and that we need to use our spiritual gifts? That's been a part of our plan all along because that's part of God's plan. It's a biblical plan. So, so, so don't be afraid. So he says, now about spiritual gifts. I do not want you to be ignorant. That's an important word. Paul uses this phrase, I do not want you to be ignorant, a number, number of times in the scripture. And, and what he's trying to do is make a correction about what they didn't understand. He wants them to understand something better. So he says, you know that when you were pagans, somehow uh, or other, you were influenced by and led astray um, to, false to, to false idols. And th therefore, I tell you that no one who, has, who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. In this uh, culture that these people lived in, I'm glad we don't have people who have idols today, aren't you? I think we talked about that before, didn't we? Um, there are plenty of idols in this world. Uh, these people were caught up in, in, a, in a kind of what they thought was a worship of those idols. Uh, and and uh, later on, Paul is going to go to uh, Athens, and in Athens, he's going to walk around and he's going to say, y'all got a lot of gods, don't you? Uh, we live in that world as well today. So Paul says uh, uh, that you were influenced and you were led astray. The idea in our world 
that, that things are random is leads people astray. I've been thinking about this. I remembered my friend Ruth Humbert. Do you know, remember Ruth Humbert? Ruth Humbert was a math teacher, and she was a really good math teacher. She probably still is a good math teacher if she had an opportunity. But, but what she would say is that math is just rules that are made up by men. Just rules that are made up by men. Now, why do men make up rules? To prove what they want to believe. And most of what the world's rules about science, people tell us science is, is, is a, a god. You know, we, we have to believe what science tells us. But, but most of all these things that are, that are in science are things that are made up so that they can uh, promote a philosophy, a philosophy that there is no God. And so, so in, in this, we have to understand the, the pressures that these people were living under, the pressures that we're living under. And, and, and the, how, do you, how do you know? Paul gives us the answer here. He says, in this world, the philosophy of this world says that, uh, that Jesus is cursed. Now, that seems very strong to us, but... But think about what you hear in our culture today about what the scriptures tell us about who God is and who Jesus is. And it's very close to saying that things about Jesus are cursed. But we can say one thing different. Jesus is Lord. And when we say Jesus is Lord, what we need to understand is that um, that this is an important thing. And so when we talk about gifts, there is one primary gift. That one primary gift is the Holy Spirit himself. So in, in the difference between us and the difference between the other peoples in this world is that we have learned to say Jesus is Lord. And the only way you can learn to do that is that you have the Holy Spirit. So the scripture teaches us, Think back about John chapter 3 when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And Jesus says to Nicodemus some things that were really strange to him. And, and one of the things he said that Jesus said to him is, you must be born again. Now, that got Nicodemus' attention. And Jesus said, now what that means is you have to be born of the Spirit. So as believers in Jesus Christ, if we say Jesus is Lord, we say Jesus is Lord because the Holy Spirit is encouraging us and helping us to understand the Word of God. The Word of God tells us that Jesus is Lord. And so if we are led astray by philosophies of this world, then we might say, well, I'm not sure about that. But Paul says you can only say that if the Spirit is in you. Each one of us has the Spirit. Now, why is that important? Because in verse 4, he begins to say, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. And that's why it's important for us to understand that as believers in Jesus Christ, that the Spirit is the thing that makes the difference in our life. Now, it is, it is true, and he's going to go on and tell us this, that there are different kinds of, of gifts. 
And, and some people have one kind of gift and some have another kind of gift. But the importance is that all of those gifts come from the Holy Spirit because we have the Holy Spirit within us. And so when the world tells us things that are n- not the way you think they are, then what the Scripture says is that there is one Spirit. Now, there are many gifts, and, and there are different kinds of gifts and he calls them kinds of service, uh, but the same Lord. They're kinds. They're different kinds of, of of workings, but the same God. And all of them are in all order. They're, they they that all of those gifts that come into the life of the believer all come from God, one Spirit. Now we are thankful that God doesn't have only one gift. Uh, for people. If we were all preachers, there'd be a line over here, and we would just be waiting for me to get through, and then the next guy would come up, and he would preach, and then the next guy. So we're, we're thankful that there are a lot of varieties in, in the gifts that we have even had demonstrated today. So in verse 7, this is an important verse. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, how many people are left out of that sentence? How many believers are left out of that sentence? None. To each one, to each person who has the Spirit within them, then there is this work which is given for a specific purpose. Now, if we, one of the things we need to explore in our community, our church, is, you know, how is, it, how is God manifesting his spirit in you? How, how, is, how is you in your relationship with God, and how is, how is God's spirit being manifested in you? What that means is something is happening inside of you that comes out on the outside. That's what manifestation means. So in each of us, each one of us, nobody's left out. We're not here in a random way. The work of God is not random in our life. What we understand is that each one of us is doing something because God is at work in our heart, and because God is at work in our heart, it comes out. And what is the purpose of what God is doing? It's for the common good. It's for the church. For each one of us, has a part. Now, Paul is going to go through a long list, and this is where a lot of people get confused in chapter 12 about Paul when he lists these different gifts and he talks about some do this and some do that. But we, we need to not be confused about that because the bottom line is the Spirit gives those gifts as he desires and that those gifts are given for the common good, the body of Christ. And they are given so that in a, such, in a specific kind of way that there is a kind of understanding that we all have. And that common thing that we have is that they are given by the Spirit according to him. Now, drop down to verse 11, and he says this. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit who gives them to each one as you determine. Is that what it says? As he determines. 
Who determines the gift that you have by the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit does. He's building the body of Christ. He is building the body of Christ by putting into each one of us who are professing believers in Jesus Christ a manifestation of his work. And that's what he's doing there. Now, we can't go through all of these illustrations that Paul has here. But if you, for me, I had to turn the page. But if you go over to verse, um, let's see, what is it? Verse 18. It says, but in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So everybody in here who is a believer in Jesus Christ, the spirit is in you. He is wanting to manifest himself as a way of coming out of you. And he's doing that for the common good. And he's doing it just as he wants to do it. Now, that was a problem for the Corinthians because they, in some of the illustrations, help us understand that because some of them wanted to have a different gift than the one they got. Some of them wanted to do different things than they, the Spirit was telling them to do. Now, what happens with that when that happens is that down in verse 25, it says, so that there would be no dis- division in the body. So, so the Holy Spirit is giving gifts to the members of the church as he desires. He puts the body together, the church together in the way that he desires. And he does it in a way so that there is no division among the members of the body. Now he's going to use some illustrations here that to me almost are cartoonish. He says, you know, the the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you, or the ear can't say to the eye. Just just imagine what that would look like. if, If the body was just an eye, then what would the body be? It would just be one thing. But that's not how God tells us that he is at work. He is at work in a manner in which there is no division in the body. Now, how does division happen in the church? Well, you just had a lot of thoughts ran through your head because many of us have been in churches where there have been divisions. Why does that happen? It happens because we've lost our connection to the Holy Spirit, how he's at work in our life, how he's at work in the life of the other parts of the body, which we call Ashley River Baptist Church. And so sometimes people say, well, I don't like what they're doing. I don't like that preacher's white shirt today. Uh, He ought to wear a color shirt today. Uh, And and actually in chapter 1, Paul talks about the different preachers that they had, and they had some pretty good preachers. But he said, y'all have divided over which preacher you like the best. Now, what happens when you divide over who you like the best? There is division in the church, not unity in the church. The work of the Holy Spirit in giving gifts is to bring unity to the church, to bring unity to the body of Christ. And when there's unity in the body of Christ, then Paul is going to come and we're going to get down to that point where you've been wondering how we're going to get there to chapter 13, which is the we call the love chapter. But but we're going to look at that because the scripture says 
that there is a more excellent way. Now, why is the way of God more excellent than the way I can do things? I think I can do things pretty good. I think I can make decisions about what I ought to do and when, where I ought to go and who I ought to be with. I think I can make those decisions and I can make things work the way I want them to work, right? When we feel that way, what does the scripture say about us? We're not saying Jesus is Lord. We're saying I have a better plan than God's plan. And when we say I have a better plan than God's plan, guess what? Our plan is never as good as God's plan. Our plan is never what God would plan. And the only way we can know that is by going to the scriptures and abiding in the scriptures. And so um, uh, at the end of chapter 12, Paul says this sentence, and now I will show you the most excellent way. Now, different translations may have different words in that, but Paul says there is a way to do church which is God's way to do church. Now, to do church the way God wants us to do church, you have to overcome a lot of things. But the one thing that is required, the one thing that is necessary to do church the way God wants you to do church is what he says in chapter 13. Thank Jeffrey for reading that for us. But at the beginning of chapter 13, most of the time we like to go to chapter, we like to go to chapter 13 and start in verse 4. Because it gives us the definitions about what that means. But in the beginning of chapter 13, there are two or three illustrations about gifts that help us to understand when love is, is actually a part of that. So, so in chapter 13, it begins by saying, if I speak all, the, all different kinds of tongues, if I, if I have that gift of, of speaking tongues. So, so pretty much what Paul is saying, there are two kinds of gifts that he illustrates here one are speaking gifts and we if you go back into chapter 12 you'll see sections where he talks about some of those gifts speaking gifts now who has a testimony that jesus christ has saved their soul who has that everybody who's saved has that testimony right and so we are to speak that testimony but there are others who have been given a gift of prophesying or a gift of sharing the gospel or a gift of teaching the gospel, which is, is uh, above or, or uh, more than just our basic salvation testimony. So, but Paul says, you know, if you have that gift, but you don't have love, what, it, what value is there to you being able to speak? Is there any value there? Not really, he says. Or, or he, and he goes on and he says, well, what about if I have the gift of prophecy and I can understand all mysteries? When we, uh, in our Sunday school class, Pastor La uh, Larry is able to help us deal with some of the scriptures and, and he does his studying and, and some of the things the scripture says might seem to be mysterious and sometimes there's a teacher who can come along and that teacher can help us understand things a little better that's what paul's talking about here you're a sunday school teacher and if you don't have a sunday school class and you don't have a sunday school teacher who opens the word of god to you there's only one word i can say for you 
Shame. Shame, shame on you. You ought to be in a class where you have someone who has that gift of teaching who can do that for you, with you. And, and when they do that, what, we, what the scripture says, they do that in love. Because if they don't do it in love, then it has no value. Then he gives two strange kind of illustrations to our thinking. And he talks about if I, uh, if I have the faith to move mountains or if I give my body to be burned. Now, those, those uh, are biblical things, but, but they, they don't sound too strange. to They sound kind of strange to us. So we understand this power comes to us in the power of love. And without love, it doesn't matter what you do. Now, I've been a Baptist for about almost 75 years now. And I know that Baptists are doers, right? We like to do. Uh, but, but Paul here is very clear. He says, if I just do things without love, they have no value. They have no value. Then he gives, in chapter, beginning in, in verse 4 here, he gives this long list of things. Now, all right, so now we're going to switch back to the Lord's Supper. So I'm going to turn back a couple of pages here, and I'm going to turn back to uh, chapter 11. And in chapter 11, Paul talks about the Lord's Supper. And he gives us an illustration about how to carry out the Lord's Supper. We, we, we're going to do that in just a minute. But then he says this. Whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks the cup. And that word examine is a, is a kind of a tricky word because if you ask me how I'm doing, I think I'm doing pretty good. You know, I, I, you may say, well, how are you doing uh, compared to uh, some of these uh, criminals that are in our community? I, well, I'm doing good, I think. So how do you know how you're doing? How do you examine yourself? And that's where these passages like the in chapter 13 where Paul lists how love is, you have a way to measure how you're doing. You can measure how you're doing. You ought to examine yourself, not based on how somebody else is doing, but based on what the Scripture is doing. So this is one passage here in chapter 13, where Paul lists all of these things about love, about love, how love acts and functions, that we can go to it and then we can examine our, our life based on that, not based on my own thinking. Now, that's a different examination. Another passage which is pretty common that we refer to in, in the Galatian letter in chapter 5, uh, Paul calls it the fruit of the Spirit. But, but I always like to say, well, fruit of the Spirit in verse 22 of chapter 5, go back up to verse 19 in chapter 5. And in verse 19 of chapter 5, Paul lists all of those negative things. He's, he calls them acts of disobedience. Sometimes we have to look at our obedience or our disobedience based on what the Scripture says are those things, not based on how I feel. And when we do that, then we come to the Lord's table 
with a heart which is ready to understand what it means to come to the Lord's table. What does it mean to come to the Lord's table? What, what does it mean when the deacons in just a minute are take the cloth off and they're going to pass around the elements? What does it mean? It means that we are remembering the death, the death of our Lord Jesus Christ in our place. I won't ever die. Now, this body is failing already, but it will eventually fail. But I won't die because I have life because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's what the Lord's Supper tells us. And if we come to the Lord's table with any other attitude, then we are in trouble. Because then we are not reverencing the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If we, don't res- if we don't honor that in a true spiritual kind of way, then we can't, we can't move forward spiritually. We are blocked because it is a sin, Paul says, to come to the Lord's table and not come to the Lord's table in the, in the right manner. And so we come to the Lord's table today with the right attitude, with an examined heart. And our heart is examined based on the love of Jesus Christ. Two things, the love of Jesus Christ, in which he says in John's gospel, no man takes my life from me, but I lay it down. And I can pick it up because I have laid it down. I have authority to do that. And we understand that Jesus gave himself for us. The Romans didn't kill him. The Jews didn't kill him. He gave himself up. And so he took up his life on Easter day, on that resurrection morning. And when he took up that life, then we, he gave to us hope. And, and just a few days after that, some 40 days after that, the Holy Spirit came in a miraculous kind of way, and the church really began in that miraculous manner. And we're still following that if we obey his commands. His command is love one another as I have loved you. And if we can't love each other as Christ has loved us, then the church doesn't manifest what God is doing. Now, how do we manifest the love of Christ to this dark world that we're living in? We manifest the love of Christ because we love each other. Now, Jeff, Jeff where are you? Come on, let's, let's, let's uncover the table and we're, we're going to begin the distribution of the bread and the cup. And as we do that, think about how am I doing according to the word of God? Not how am I doing according to how I think, but how am I doing according to the word of God? And so we have to, we have to examine ourselves based on these principles of the manifestation. So come on here and... As we, as we, as the elements are passed around to you, then, then remember and think about these things.
The scripture tells us that on the night before Jesus was arrested, he met with his disciples in an upper room. And there they observed what's called the Passover meal. And in the Passover meal, they remembered that the, the blood that was put on the doorpost on the houses in Egypt, the, the death angel passed over those houses. But Jesus took two of the parts of that meal, a cup and bread, and he said, we're changing the covenant. The new covenant is going to be in this uh, shed blood that I'm fixing to go and do, and it's going to be in the bread which is given for you. And so as we come today to the Lord's table, you have in your hand both the bread and the cup. The bread represents, according to scriptures, and Paul quotes this in 1 Corinthians 11, the broken body of Jesus Christ. We need to think about that sometimes. The death of Jesus Christ was cruel. It was painful. It was awful. It was, just, it was the worst thing the Romans could figure out to do to a person to kill them. And Jesus took that for us. His body was broken. Take your bread and eat the bread in remembrance of him. Then Jesus said, the cup represents my blood, which is to be shed for you. The scripture teaches us that blood represents life. And so Jesus' life was poured out for us. His life was given in a manner in which the blood poured out. And he said the new covenant that we have, our relationship with God is established because Jesus shed his blood on Calvary's cross for us. It's because of that we drink the cup. So drink your cup in remembrance of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Now let's remember that God is at work among us. We're going to do a, a hymn of uh, invitation now. And this hymn of invitation is, is your opportunity to respond. Whether you come here to the front and I will uh, speak with you if you're in need of receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior, or uh, if you would like to become a member of Ashley River Baptist Church, we can make that happen for you today. But remember, you have examined your heart based on the love of Jesus Christ. It's because of that we do what we do in this very moment. So as we sing... We sing a heart with our heart uh, open to the, to the movement of God's Holy Spirit. And, and as the hymn says, where are we to be? Near the cross of Jesus Christ. Let's sing together.